Hello, I'm Jason Barnwell. I work on legal business operations and strategy for Microsoft. This episode shares a conversation Rebecca Benavidez and I had with Karen Kepler, one of our colleagues who leads legal procurement for Cargill. We discuss our segmentation strategy, how diversity fits into our partnering process with outside counsel, and more. We're really grateful to Karen for letting us share this conversation with you. With that, let's jump right in. All right. Uh, today we are joined by Karen Kepler from Cargill. Um, this is a part of a series that we're we're playing around with in Microsoft Legal Operations, where we're trying to bring some of the conversations that we have with our colleagues in the industry uh, to the, to the fore, so that we can learn from each other. Karen, would you mind just telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I am the Cargill Law Procurement Manager, and I've been in my role for almost 12 years now. And uh, my my role is a little unusual because um, today I sit within the operations team. But when I started way back in 2007, there was no legal operations. So I have sort of been doing this job for um, that time, first without operations and now within it. And what I do is I find outside counsel for for Cargill, for the law department. We're a global team. Um, We use law firms all over the world. We have various policies in place on what firms we are going to use. We review those policies from time to time. And I spearhead all of those efforts. Wow. So that sounds like a big job because so, so Cargill is a private company, yes? Yes. So I think that, uh, so I, I know a little bit about Cargill because I have a cousin who works for Cargill and uh, quietly uh, a, a massive company that, you know, a lot, a lot of what it helps do is I think functionally feed the world. So yes. um, I, I can, you know, I, I can only imagine uh, the scope of, of what you guys are trying to accomplish because of, of what you do. And today we're also joined by Rebecca Benavidez, who's our director of legal Be- uh, business. Uh, Rebecca, would you mind just giving a little bit about who you are? Uh, Sure. So, um, again, as Jason mentioned, my name is Rebecca. I am the director of legal business for Microsoft and Microsoft's legal department, um, CELA. In that role, my team and I are responsible for our engagement with outside counsel, which includes not only our programs around our SPP firms, but our all-up engagement programs with all of our outside counsel um, and legal vendors across the globe. Um, But at another level, our team is also responsible for our all-up engagement model, um, and that includes not only how we engage with legal department internally, but also how we engage with customers and other sort of peer corporate legal departments um, doing conversations just like this and how we tell our story around what we're doing, what we'd like to do, what our goals are and objectives, um, and also our story around digital transformation for legal. That, that's, a, that's a lot of responsibility. Um, and I'm Jason Barnwell. Uh, I work with Rebecca on the legal business operations and strategy team. Uh, so she uh, leads the, the business role and has a team that, that drives that. And my primary focus is strategy. So I try to think about the, the long arc of what we should go after, what questions we should be asking. Um, and then Rebecca's team uh, turns that into uh, things to do. They actually programmatize that and turn that into action. And then our colleague, uh, Tom Orson, who's our director of legal business, his team really tries to think about how to make that scale, how to collect data so that we can feed that back in and ask better questions. So with that framing, um, 
Karen, would you mind just starting yeah. to hit us with your questions? Sure. So maybe we can start with um, talking a little bit about uh, Microsoft's outside counsel strategy, Jason. Um, I'm very interested in learning about how you develop your strategy uh, around what firms you're going to be working with. So maybe we can start with that. Sure. And I'm going to share a document into our conversation that we will end up uh, adding to the show notes. Um, so our strategy is not, um, it, we don't go after one thing. Uh, and let me explain what I mean when I say that. So if you look at the portfolio of our work, um, it has, it's not monolithic. So there are some things that we do that are, I would say very high impact because they're either very complicated, um, they have lots of exposure, um, they really, for lack of a better term, are, are really strategic because of the instant nature of each of those things. And then we have other work that, um, you know, is often more foundational. It's the things that are necessary to do well, but they are often sustaining work. Um, and so when you look at our overarching strategy about how we are going to pick our counsel and how we're going to work with them, it doesn't take a monolithic approach. So we have some firms that we basically segment into that more strategic realm, and we have some firms that we segment into that foundational realm. And we try to push our internal folks to partner with the right firm for the nature of the work that they have so that they are actually working with the partner who can bring the most value. Because if you're working on a sustaining matter with a firm that you know normally does the strategic work, in some instances that make make that may make sense to do that, but uh, it may not because the cost structure may be wrong or the expertise may be misaligned. Same thing if you have something that is really really complicated. If you're going to, you know, the, the firm that does your day-to-day -day work and they don't have that competency, then there is less likelihood that they are going to deliver success. So our law firm engagement strategy really does kind of, it's, it's I think it would be a, maybe a really simplistic to say that there are two regimes. There's probably a spectrum between, but we really do try to think about having partners that can operate at, you know, across that spectrum and, and seeing that we have probably a somewhat bimodal distribution where we, we do have a fair number of partners who operate in that more strategic realm and then other partners who operate in that more foundational realm. And that's oh. part of our strategy is trying to create segmentation between those. Okay. And, and so, so when you're doing that, when you're, when you're trying to make these selections, what's your process? I assume that you uh, reach out to a number of firms and you review them or what, what does your process look like when you're trying to figure out who to tap to, to bring in? Well, I think so. Rebecca has been doing some really interesting work um, internally uh, that where we're actually trying to turn that into a more systematic process with an internal project that we call Matterhorn. And so, Rebecca, would you maybe want to speak about how we try to help our internal folks uh, find the right partners for the right work and how we turn that into, uh, let's just call it a more 
programmatic approach. Sure. Um, and, and I will sort of start by saying that we, in terms of picking our sort of strategic kind of panel firms, um, Microsoft does not do a full-blown RFP process for the panel. And maybe that, I know that that, that is very common among a number of corporate legal departments, um, but we have not used that process, uh, at least since I've been here, or I think in the recent past. Um, many of the firms that are on our panel are firms that we have had a long history with, with some additional input um, for, for new entrants, but still have done sort of uh, very focused work for us where it, it made a, an impact to be on our panel and to get all the benefits from being in that program. And that is a sort of a collaborative conversation with our um, senior leadership team as to who's on, who's off. Um, but from the perspective of helping people find the right um, firm for their work, we are in the process of deploying new functionality within our matter intake and, and I guess what we would call our matter engagement uh, platform called My Matters. Um, right now, there are a number of inputs when people go to set up their matters, and part of that is filtering information around feedback, um, billing information, um, status of the firm as a uh, strategic partner panel firm, or one of our women and minority uh, business firms that we use um, as part of our diversity efforts. We are also, at the end of this month, deploying a new functionality around what we are calling request for quote. So this will allow, based on all of those sort of procurement inputs around billing, the status of the firm, um, some profile information about who they are um, and where they're located, plus feedback, the, the our internal lawyers can now basically do a little bit of self-service around um, set, spinning up a, a scope, um, which includes the sort of specific requirements around the engagement, like, you know, subject matter expertise, geography, um, you know, language needs, but then also set up the specific milestones and phases of the work, and then request a quote either from one firm or from multiple firms to get comparative um, bids or proposals. Proposals. Um, and then from there, be able to make some better selection around who is the right firm for that work um, based very specifically on the firm's own uh, responses. So this gives us not only better insights into what our lawyers are doing, but it also allows us to scale our um, initiatives around value-based pricing. That's really interesting. And, and so it sounds almost like uh, if, if I'm a lawyer, I can do a lot of this myself. If I'm, I'm sitting in Microsoft, I can make some of these decisions myself. What about, uh, you mentioned alternative fee agreements. Yes. Um, are, are lawyers being given tools to, um, to create their own AFAs or are they dependent upon a, uh, a group within the organization to help with that? How does that work? So the interesting about that is that the the lawyers themselves have always been empowered to go out and, you know, create alternative fee arrangements, certainly ask for them from their outside counsel. Um, and in fact, when I joined Microsoft about a year and a half ago, I 
was brought on specifically to help grow our alternative fee, our value-based fee um, initiative. So we made an announcement in 2017 that we wanted to move 90% of our legal spend to non-hourly fee arrangements. And what I started to do, at least when I joined, was do a little bit of what I did in my prior life at the law firm, which was do a little bit of white glove service. So right now, our lawyers are free to engage with counsel. We have given them um, a value pricing hub, which is an internal SharePoint site and resource site where there's a lot of information on how you stand up on alternative fee arrangement, what type of fee arrangements are available, when you might, you know, best practices for when you might use one over the other. Um, we also do feed in their examples of scope documents so that our lawyers can learn from each other. Um, but at the same time, too, right now, we do, my team and I will do some white glove service for folks so they can come through us for help. And that help could be anywhere from pointing them to the resource hub so they can get some information, or we actually run an RFP for them if it's sort of a, of, a, of a sort of higher complexity than they can manage on their own. Um, but the idea with this new uh, sort of technology deployment is to give our lawyers a lot more tools um, in order to do this. And so some of the help documents, not only will it include videos, but it'll point them right back to this resource hub, which has a lot of information on how to stand up um, an AFA and best practices. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Uh, Rebecca, um, and also Jason, you, you both have uh, mentioned the term value. And uh, that's something that we struggle with here at Cargill. I've interviewed a lot of people here, and um, there are so many de definitions of what constitutes value. I wonder if you could address that. Sure. So our driving, you know, our, our North Star really is about value. And for us, value is not monodimensional in as much as it is <laughs> pay the least amount of money possible. Um, because culturally, we operate on much more of a partnership model. And so we're looking for prosperity on both sides. So for us, value means really getting the outcomes that we want and it delivered in an efficient and an effective way, but with the presumption that that value is a long-lived thing so that we should seek to create good outcomes for our partners too. And so mm -hmm. we we want to pay, you know, a fair amount, but we also realize that our partners are, are trying to, they need to run a business too. And if they are not successful, then that's a problem for us because then they disappear. And the nature of our work, so if, if for example, if we look at uh, our litigation docket, it tends to be uh, a little bit smaller than people would expect, and it's, it's heavily indexed on impact litigation. And so when we bring people in to help us with that, it is not the case that it is, you know, kind of a, a mass torts play. There's often a, a deep history that's involved in the work that they're doing. And so we have a lot of repeat play because that ends up being very efficient for us. So okay. we have some we have some ways of being that are, you know, a little bit unique to us. And we also just have a lot of, of history because, you know, we're, we're a, a middle aged technology company. 
And so it tends to be very beneficial for us to invest in working with the same partners and presuming that we're going to work together for a long time. So for us, you know, value depends on where that work slots into that spectrum that we talked about earlier. And so if it is something that is at the foundational layer where, you know, having deep engagement and relationships are not necessary because it's it just doesn't command that, um, then we will be more price sensitive and we'll probably more be a little bit more aggressive there. But where it starts to move into the elements where it's more strategic and we have less price sensitivity, then value starts to look more like, well, we should probably really think about investing to secure this outcome. And in both instances, we do try to take a long view to think about, well, even when we're talking about a foundational scenario, is there a way that we can package up enough of this work so that it starts to become a, a more interesting from an investment standpoint from the partner so that they can bring innovation to that? And so in even some of our work, which you know, has a, it looks a lot more like our run business, uh, Rebecca has had some real success helping some of our practice groups actually bundle that work together and do larger engagements with outside counsel so that even though we are still, you know, a bit price sensitive on it, it's a large enough book of work that that partner can still invest in us and they can build tools and processes that can deliver what, you know, that practice groups need needs a little bit more efficiently. So we to the extent we can, we try to take the long view. I'm not going to pretend that we get it right every time, but aspirationally, that's what we're going for. Okay. Great. So you talked a little bit about um, the strategy and uh, your models of engagement. Who, who drives your strategy, Jason? And um, you know, how do you get your stakeholders to, to buy into that strategy? Well, so our strategy uh, originated a, a couple of years ago uh, as really, uh, I think, a, almost a thought experiment uh, by David Howard, uh, who was uh, he's he was our head of uh, litigation compliance and competition. And his team had, you know, they, they, they have a lot of spend. And so he got to thinking about like, so how can we think about working with our outside council partners more effectively to create more value. And so that was the origination of the strategy. And so now I'm, I'm, I have a, a document that uh, I'm, I'm displaying that we'll put into the, the show notes, but it has some basic elements to it. And these, these really came from his research and his thinking, and it boils down to a couple core concepts. And the, the strategy is, is effectively a hypothesis that we are going to try to test uh, again and again and iterate on that over time. But it starts off with picking from a focus group of the right partners, teaching them about your business, making sure that they bring the right people to that work, giving them incentives to innovate and be efficient measure their performance and offer feedback so that they can get better. And then ultimately try to start bringing in some KM concepts so that we're not reinventing the wheel. And then you take everything that you learn in that cycle and ideally you feed it back into the selection process so that your people are continuing to invest in the right people and pick the right partners for the work that they have. That's great. You you mentioned KM concepts. You're referring to knowledge management. Can yes. you talk a, a bit more about that? So I would say that we are maybe not even in crawl by my perspective, but we are going to be trying some things soon. We're we're standing up some prototypes to to do some interesting things. Um, and actually, our team just open sourced uh, a couple of uh, prototype software elements that we're going to be playing around with. But 
one of the things we observe is that <laughs> we keep buying the same things over and over again because we mm -hmm. don't do a great job of having uh, one place where people can go and search and find all the things that we have acquired before. And one of the really great things about the, the Microsoft uh, um, Legal Affairs organization is there's a lot of internal mobility. And so people move around, they change jobs. And one of the challenges that we have is that what people are functionally doing is they're using their inbox uh, in Outlook as their filing cabinet, their task list, their, you know, uh, like it, it, it's really, they're using it for everything. And so there's a lot of the, the knowledge that happens in the work that we do that, that we lose. And so interestingly, in many instances, our outside counsel have better uh, institutional memory and knowledge than we do on a lot of what we do. And so we're trying to think about better ways to do that, but we have this challenge, which is we we are a technology company, but we our legal department is you know a lot of legal professionals, and you know the look you're an attorney, attorneys love putting process on other people, but they don't really like having it applied to them. And so we're having to think about ways to flex into their native work style. And so we have a project that we're calling Tagulus, which is really more of a concept than anything. But it boils down to this. If primarily what your folks are doing is they're transacting knowledge in email, then we need to find a way to turn email into something that's a little bit smarter. And so what we have right now is a prototype and we're not really in full production. We've just got a couple small pilots running, but it's pretty basic. What you do is you create the emails that you normally would. So, you know, people in the two, two line, the CC line, subjects, attachments, body of the email, all that good stuff. And you do two small things. One, you add an email address. Uh, so for example, we have, you know, these, it's basically a system account, but you only have to add that one email address and you can put on the two, the CCC, CC or the BCC line. And then you add tags, like just text tags. So imagine that there's a tag and in, actually in, in our conversation back and forth, you may have noticed that I, I actually added this weird email address and I added a couple tags at the bottom of the email. And what that will do is that will feed the contents of that email into a knowledge management system. Now, it's very rudimentary, so I don't want to give you any like the idea that it's this amazing thing, but it will do a couple things that are, are useful. One, it'll take any attachments to that email and it'll put them into storage. And it works across the organizational boundary. So if you have your outside counsel start basically tagging tagging uh, the matter ID into an email any and, and have them copy that uh, email address, then all of the uh, attachments that they produce for you can automatically be stored into a SharePoint folder for retrieval later by your team. The other thing that we can do, and again, this is all you know very prototype phase, is we can start asking questions about the emails that are transacted based on the tags. So for example, if somebody wanted to know, is any does anybody know someone at Cargill? If we have emails that are, are have basically been run through the system, we can start answering those questions because we have some sense of like who is engaging with, with what. And the nice thing about this approach is it's all opt-in. And so people who are the, the line level folks, like you have complete control over the information that you want to put into the system. It's not something that happens you know, without your, your knowledge or consent.
we have a prototype bot that can basically start answering those questions. So if you, and I'll, I'll be talking about this at clock and uh, corporate legal operations uh, consortium, the Institute in May, but I'll be doing a live demonstration where I showed some of the basics of this, where you can go into a bot and you can ask it, you know, who is, who knows about uh, topic X. And then you can ask for the, the documents that are related to that topic. And it'll give you answers as to who, who does based on, you know, an interrogation of our knowledge graph. Um, mm. And it'll, turn back some uh, links to some documents so you can just pick those up. So again, we're, we're just at the beginning of this, but uh, we're, we're going to try. Yeah, it's fascinating. Wow. Thank you. So uh, I don't think any um, outside counsel strategy uh, would be complete without a discussion around um, diversity. And um, I, I know that um, you guys have done a lot of work uh, in that space. Can you talk a little bit about where you are today with that? Happy to. Rebecca, do you want to pick that one up or shall I? Sure. Oh, sorry, I was on mute. Um, absolutely. And I will pick it up and then Jason can fill in the blank. So we have from or Microsoft has for many years had a, um, a law firm diversity program uh, specifically for our strategic panel firms. And that program very much follows the ABA uh, Project 113 model. And so we ask a number of questions in it that, that are similar to those asked in the ABA survey. Um, but then we have some additional questions that really focus on the people that are doing our work, in addition to tracking diversity through uh, what I would call sort of management positions and uh, sort of law firm sort of direction uh, positions. Um, we have started to ask other questions about what they're doing from an innovation standpoint to drive diversity within their organizations, um, as well as start to ask questions about how they sort of hand out origination credit for matters, um, for Microsoft matters. Mm. That law firm diversity program for those firms, there are certain rewards and incentives that they get for hitting the right sort of marks that we set at the beginning of each year. Um, and the great thing about that is that it acts more as a carrot rather than a stick, which I think has been really a, a great, great incentive for moving this forward. Um, I, at least from my perspective, and I'm still somewhat new to the organization, but having spent time at law firms and obviously seen the the various law firm diversity programs uh, from from across sort of a, a portfolio of corporate clients um, this one by and far seems to have the most um, interest and um, sort of generated interest and incentives to the law firms to to do diversity for the for all the right reasons um, and I think that that's really been a great thing to see um, at the same time too we also have um, some corporate commitments around working with minority and women-owned law firms and so our teams are really invested in doing that um, for many of them they start their search with looking at how they might onboard or work with um, what a, one of those firms um, in order to sort of track on their own diversity metrics. 
Um, and I'll let Jason, because we're doing some really cool things around the, uh, the ABA um, model diversity survey, and I'll sort of let Jason pick that up, because I think that's going to be an interesting thing uh, for many corporate legal departments. Yeah, so one of the things uh, that, that's actually happening on Rebecca's team is we're starting to get much more advanced in collecting diversity data. And that so I would say her team has, has done some amazing work on that that we're going to talk about, I think, in greater detail uh, later this year. Um, but the thing that's really interesting is we can start feeding those insights back into the selection process. So Rebecca made uh, reference to My Matters, uh, which is the, the basically the matter creation uh, portal that we have now. And what we can do is we will we've now got a kind of a basic view on it, but we can start providing much more granular data to the people who are deciding which partner they want to engage with on a matter. And we can put that in front of them when they're deciding. So not only can we bring uh, our feedback. So, you know, we collect feedback on the law firms from our people. Not only can we put that there, we can put, you know, as a general matter, the cost, but we can also start putting things like their, uh, you know, what their progress has been on diversity. We can um, give information on like, you know, how they're doing on our uh, supplier security uh, uh, status and things like that. So uh, that's one way that we're going to do it. Or that, that's one way that we're going to try to shape our behavior so that we really create incentives to uh, bring more diversity to the table. But it also happens in some other intentional ways. So uh, over the last three years, our litigation team has had a diverse first or second chairperson on all of their matters large enough to put out the comparative bid. And so that is really trying to be very intentional about making sure that when we are you know, bringing our, our biggest matters forward and we're thinking about the partners that we want to work with, that they're bringing the right people and that we are actually testing that and making sure that that's happening. And so that's where having the ability to both have goals, but also infrastructure that lets us measure what's happening is really helpful. Hmm. That's really interesting. So you you mentioned that in my matters you have the ability to provide information diversity information even um are you finding that stakeholders uh are they incented to 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 utilize that data in the way that you want them to or is it just something that they can see are there any requirements for the stakeholders themselves to um you know to choose to select uh diversity law firms i don't think we know yet so we're just now starting to light up this platform. And so we <laughs> will, if you ask that same question in a, a year or so, we'll probably be able to give you a better answer. One thing that we can do is now that we can present this, this, th these data to the practice group leads, we can start saying, we can actually start showing them, this is who your people are selecting. This is the composition of, of your partners. How do you feel about this? And so right. I suspect that the, the more effective way for us to really shape that behavior is to bring the insights not just to the folks who are operating at the line level who have often broad discretion uh, discretion um, but also to start bringing that information to the leadership level mm -hmm. the other thing that um, does happen which is is really helpful is for the partnerships um, where we've had 
practice group level engagement, uh, many of those leaders have, have preemptively said, you know, to their partner, I would like metrics about who is doing our work. And so that started to be fed into the report outs that go back to the practice group. Um, and so the thing we observe is law firms will basically do whatever you ask them to, but you have to be consistent and deliberate and deliberate and, at, and saying, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. And then not forgetting about it and going back later and saying, like, so how did you do on that? And if you keep doing that consistently, then they tend to be partners who will who will bring you what you want. Yeah. And and are you um, are you spending time any time measuring and, and managing your firms once you have them in place? So we are in the process of getting much better at that. So we have dashboards that we stand up using Power BI to show a lot of the information that you would think we'd want to know. So spend over time, um, what is sort of their uh, portfolio across the different work streams that we have. We do some trending analysis to see where work is either being, you know, it's grown or or decreasing and then have some sort of analysis around that. Um, We are working on a sort of a basic scorecard for our law firms. And a lot of that right now, at least from our perspective, is going to be uh, stood up against that value proposition that Jason showed. So obviously this was a very sort of important initiative. It's something that we, Microsoft and the law department are committed to. And for those firms that are brought into that program, we want to make sure that they are bringing the right level of investment and engagement in some of the opportunities that we have given. And so from a very sort of high level view, we're going to start measuring uh, them against that sort of value proposition as much as we can. Um, But we are definitely in the beginning stages of that. that progress, that sort of program right now. Um, we actually have borrowed, and I think, as Jason said, sort of uh, other folks are peer um, legal departments from CLOCK and ACC Legal Ops and some others that we've met. We certainly have borrowed and looked at what other uh, companies have been doing around firm scorecards mm-hmm. um, just to get a sense of what it looks like. Um, we are sort of keenly aware that the law firms can face their own challenges with having to answer different KPIs and different requests from a multitude of clients. And so what we try to do is at least do a good enough job of um, looking across at how others do it and try to act with some consistency, but also, you know, focus on the things that that matter for us, for our, uh, our strategy. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. We are also using Power BI to c- collect metrics, and um, we try to report those metrics out to our law firms um, so that they can see as well, you know, what's going on. We, we, we collect diversity metrics as well as some of the spin metrics you just talked about. So... Is there is there is there anything that you're putting in front of them that you're finding is is helpful in getting them to do what you want them to do? <laughs> well, you know, I, I would say that we've spent a lot of effort on uh, the diversity piece. We have a a matter management e-billing system that allows us to um, 
not only collect uh, information on firm-wide diversity metrics, but also we can see who's working on our matters and, and, and what they look like. And we have a very small panel of firms, so it's, it's pretty manageable, but um, we collect all of that data and we put it together in, in Power BI. And then we just report it out. You know, we have not yet set expectations about what we want them to see, but we can all have a conversation around, okay, well, if your numbers are going down or if your numbers are staying static or, or whatever, um, we're just at that point where we have those conversations. Hopefully, going forward, we will um, come up with some metrics that we want them to aspire to, um, but that's probably six months off still. The one interesting thing that we, we've done is we have this law firm diversity uh, program, which is basically a bonus schedule mm-hmm. for our panel firms. And what we do at the start of every year is we come up with what is effectively a scoring system. And it's it, and so there's many different categories, but a few years ago, we actually shifted the categories. And so now it's heavily weighted on leadership diversity metrics. And by that, we mean what is the composition of your firm's management committee? What is the composition of the relationship team at the at the Microsoft level? What is the composition of the partners who are leading the matters? And then at, at the bottom, we have, what is the composition of the people who are actually doing the work? And the firms uh, that do well in that, they are actually eligible for cash bonuses at the mm. end of the year. And so, you know, and, and so there's a couple ways to score points. So one is, you know, we kind of have uh, just... Uh, an objective kind of measure across the board. Like this is what we think good looks like. And if you go above that, uh, then you can get some points. And for some categories, if you've made substantial progress from where you were, there are some other ways to gain points. And that is something that we we put into, you know, try to create some incentive for firms that are starting from far behind to feel like, hey, at least we should try. And the interesting thing that we've seen is so they love the cash bonus, like to be clear, <laughs> but they're also just really competitive and they like winning. And uh, for so the winner each year, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes, what we do is we, we give it a little bit of PR. And I think the firms really love that. They love having their effort um, and their partnership and their engagement recognized. And so, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I suspect, and I think we've actually been told this, that for many firms, the money is nice, but the notoriety and like mm-hmm. the, just being known as, as a firm that is a great partner that's doing that, that matters so much more to them. And the thing that's interesting is, you know, like, yes, it costs us a little bit to put, you know, take an ad out in a, in a trade publication, but that almost any legal organization, uh, any any corporate legal organization, could probably get ninety percent of the benefit yeah. um, just by doing something like that, and and just you know the, whoever does a great job saying like they did a great job, I think they would get a lot. You you'd be, you'd be surprised at how much benefit you get from that. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Well, thank you. I, this has been really, really illuminating. And um, I mean, I think that um, Microsoft is viewed as a leader in a lot of these spaces. And um, some of the things that you're working on are are, are amazing. Um, 
I'm just very grateful that you've uh, taken the time to share it with me. Thank you so much. Well, we're, we, we are grateful that you take the time to ask these questions and, and to share what you are up to, because one of the things that uh, we love is, is talking with folks like you, because we always learn something and we add it to our toolkit. And we are happy to to support you. And as, as a general matter, uh, we, we enjoy these conversations. So thank you for being so gracious and letting us share the conversation. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Rebecca. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Yep. Yeah, you too.